Well, as we continue this series, Walk This Way, I realized that as a child, uh, we learned to walk. That's where we learned to walk. As a baby, we learn it. Then as a toddler, we kind of perfect it. And something happens, at least in the 80s when I grew up, something happened in the teenage years that the walk changed and it kind of got a little creative. And I have no idea why, but that's what happened. And then as a young adult, then you kind of straighten out your walk. And then your career picks up and you start moving faster and faster. And then for some reason, as you get a little bit older, not much, just a little bit, you're back. Something happens back there and your walk gets really weird. <laughs> Again, like a teenager, only this time the grimace is for real. That's kind of what happens. I have no idea why. But you know, I do know this. No one had to teach you how to do that. Not even as a teenager. No one had to teach you how to walk like that. No one had to, you, you just kind of learned it as you went, as you went along. So all of these ways of walking are just ways that we've walked. And you know what? We even have a way of walking through life. The things we do, the things we say, the way we live this life, we have a way of walking through this life. For instance, there is a specific way that we react to people when we are offended. There's a way that we respond to people when we feel rejected. And that's how we walk through life. There's a specific way that we behave when we have been wounded by someone somehow. We learned these things as we have walked through life. We often pick them up as we go. We may not even know where we learned it or when we picked it up because we have been walking that way through life for so very long, but yet we walk on. We continue walking on through life. For instance, ladies, when he hurts your feelings, Maybe you're the type that you mark your scorecard and then you put it in your pocket to save it when you need to bring it back out later. Or guys, maybe something happens for you and maybe for some reason you're upset, for some reason you're hurt or you're angry and your response might be then to try to control her behavior. Or maybe you try to control her surroundings and that's your response. For some of us, instead of kindly sitting down and talking about what you want in a friendship or a relationship, instead of doing that, you, you just kind of drop hints and you expect them to pick up on those hints and then to do what you want. And if they don't pick up on the hints and do what you want, then maybe you get angry. You could be like one of us, many, many people who take things and you just stuff them down and you keep taking it and stuffing it and you take it and stuff it and you wait and wait and all the time you're waiting, you're just stuffing all this stuff down inside of you until you can stuff no more and you finally lose it and explode. Or you could be the opposite of that, the person that explodes immediately Maybe when you argue with somebody, maybe you get defensive right off the bat. 
And you never, never understand that maybe what they're saying, even though it may not be said the way you want it to be said, maybe what they're saying, maybe they have a valid point. For you, it could be that there's something important that needs to be talked about. It should be talked about and discussed, but maybe you simply won't discuss it. Perhaps you find yourself using the phrase when you're talking or kind of having a discussion. And maybe you say, well, you always learn. Or maybe you say, you never. You see, we learned how to negotiate and navigate our family life, our relationships, and our friendships. We learned that somehow we learned to walk the way that we walk through this life. And most often, it kind of leaves us thinking, oh, there's something not right. This isn't all that great, which would lead me to ask the question that Dr. Phil asked, and that would be, well, how's that working for you? And even if we know that it's not working right or it's not the best, for some reason, we just keep on walking that way. And the reality, if we were to be really truthful and honest about that, we keep doing it because even if we know it's not the best and, not, not, and it's not great, we keep doing it because there's something about that way of walking, even if it's not great. There's something about it that does work. It pays us off somehow. And if it didn't, we would stop it. Now, in this series, which we began last week, we said when we use the phrase, walk this way, it's implying that God's spirit or Jesus is there and he's saying, no, 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 don't go that way, go this way. So it implies there's a path to follow. There's a direction to choose, more than one direction. And Jesus or God's spirit is saying, no, 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 don't go that way. Follow this path. Walk this way. But today we're going to expand that. Today we're going to say and add to that that it's not just a path to follow. Now, last week we talked about that, the path to follow. God's spirit saying, no, 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 take this path, the path of grace. But today we're going to expand that and say it's not just a path. It's also saying, walk this way. In other words, God's spirit or Jesus saying to you, walk the way I walk. Let me show you how. Walk this way. As we jump into God's Word, we're going to give you two passages this morning. And the first passage we're going to be using is written by a guy named Peter. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. Um, he was with Jesus from nearly the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Peter knew that he was going to die because Jesus told him he was going to die a horribly painful death somehow. Now, Peter knew that. He didn't know exactly how, but he knew that it was coming, some kind of painful, horrible death. He knew that eventually all of this would catch up to him the, the, on the evil side, and he was going to die a horrible death. Now, before Peter dies, though, he writes these letters. Now, this is the last recorded letter that we have from Peter. We don't know what else he wrote, but this is the last thing we have recorded from Peter. Soon after this, Peter does die that horrible, horrible death. 
And Peter is telling us, he's saying, now listen, I want you to listen to Paul. I want you to listen to what he has written. Listen to Paul. And then Peter also gives us this information saying, you should be living, and he's speaking to, to Christ followers, to believers, living a blameless, peaceful life. And then Peter ends the last letter that we have recorded from Peter, and, and he ends it. I'm going to read to you in just a moment the very last verse of the last letter that he wrote. Now this, with Peter knowing his life was moving towards an end, a very violent, painful end, I would think that the last thing we have recorded from Peter might be really significant and important for us to, to look at and read. I'm going to read you one single verse, and it's the last thing we know that Peter, that we have recorded that Peter wrote. Here it is in 2 Peter 3.18. He's speaking to Christ followers. Rather, you speaking to Christ followers, you must grow in the grace. Now, this isn't the kind of growing that we kind of think about with plants. You, you know, give it some miracle grow and it shoots up and it's going to grow to a point and stop. And so, yay, I've grown. No, he's saying you must grow. And the implication here is and keep growing and continue to grow. You never stop. So he's saying you must grow in grace and keep growing and the grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, all glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. And here's what Peter is saying. This, this very important, he's knowing his life is coming toward an end, trying to get the information out, trying to get as accurately and quickly as possible to everyone. He's saying this, Peter's saying, if you are going to walk down this path of grace, we talked about that last week, he's saying, then you must keep growing. You must keep growing in that grace. It's important to note the grace itself doesn't grow. Grace is perfect. And grace is complete and full. You don't get more and more grace. When you get grace, you get it all. Peter is saying, you need to grow. On this path of grace, you have not arrived. You've just stepped onto the path of grace. And now keep going, keep growing. God is not finished with you. He's not done. He has more to do in you and through you. Keep growing. And Peter's saying this growth is partly, it's an ever-increasing, daily increasing awareness and understanding of who Jesus is and the character of Jesus. And he's saying to us, grow in grace. And so if he is saying, grow in grace, and then, by the way, listen to what Paul has to say, then let us now jump back to Paul, because that's where we're spending uh, this, this series in this book that Paul wrote. And let me give you some background on what is happening for Paul in this moment. Paul has written a letter to this young man named Titus. Paul has just gotten out of prison. He was in prison. He was released. Paul also, somehow, he knows that his life is also moving toward a very violent end. And this also is toward the end of Paul's life. Now, with Peter, 
That was the last letter he wrote. With Paul, this is the second to last letter that Paul wrote before he died. This is the letter he wrote to Titus. And he will write one more letter, and then Paul will be arrested again. He, will then, uh, he was arrested by Nero. Then he was tortured for about a year. He was tortured, and then he was beheaded by Nero. So if Paul knows that eventually he is going to be imprisoned and he's going to be killed, if he knows his time is running out, as he did, then he is working diligently to get everything that he feels compelled by God's Spirit to teach. He's trying to get that taught. Everything that needs to be said, he's trying to get said. Everything he needs to pass on to the believers, he's trying to pass on. And in doing so, Paul takes a moment to speak to some very specific people. In this moment, he speaks to men, and he also speaks specifically to women. And he's speaking to them about their lives, about their relationships, and he's telling them how to grow in this grace that Peter was talking about. In other words, he's telling them how to walk this way, not just a direction, but also something you do, walk like Jesus walked, walk this way. So let's take a look at this letter. Titus, we're going to be in chapter 2, verse 1. James will have it on the screen for us. Here we go. Paul says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Let me tell you what he's saying here. Paul is saying that we need to take a measurement of your growth. Titus, we need to measure your growth and we need to measure the growth of the people that you're teaching. But instead of, of giving you a test and having you take a test so we can see how much you know, we're not going to test for knowledge. We are going to test instead this growth of grace. We're going to test for how well you live. It's not about what you know. Titus. It's not about what the people you're teaching know. It is how well you live. It is what you do. And then he goes on and says, now walk this way. Let me show you. He's saying, let me show you how to walk like Jesus walked. And he goes in verse two, teach the older men. So let me help you understand who he's speaking to here. Basically, if you're 30 years old or over, He's talking to you, you old men, 30 years old or older. And here's what he says. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect. Wow, these are huge topics. And to live wisely. And then about the older men, they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. That is a big order. And he goes on in verse 3. Similarly, teach the older women. Okay, ladies. If you're 30 years old or over, Paul is speaking to you, more mature ladies. Here's what he says. To live in a way that honors God. And then he gives some specifics. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. He goes on, verse 4, these older women must train the younger women. Now, who are the younger women? Basically, teenagers 
and folks who were in their 20s. That's basically who he's speaking to. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. He goes on, verse 5, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the Word of God. Now, when he says they will not bring shame on the Word of God, he is gathering everybody back up together, older men, all the men, all the ladies. He's saying all of you, so that you will not bring shame to the Word of God. And he kind of ends it with this, and in the same way, encourage the young men, again, the teenagers and the young men in their 20s, he says, to live wisely. Now, that is a great set of examples of Paul saying, wait, 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 wait. I, I know, friends, how you have been walking. And I know what your habits are. He's saying, I've had some of the same habits. I know what the habits are. But now that you're on the grace way, don't walk that way any longer. I want you now to continue on the grace path, but keep growing. Keep growing. As you follow Jesus, now begin to walk this way. Walk the way he walked. And he gives us this great big list of amazing and difficult things. Now, Paul is speaking to four groups of people, older men, older ladies, younger ladies, younger men. And of these four groups of people, though, there is one word that he uses to speak to each group. So he gives them all these different lists and things, but there's one thing that he says to every single group, one thing, and we're going to focus on that one word for just a moment that Paul uses to encourage every single age group. And the word he uses is a Greek word, sophron. Now, this word, sophron, he tells the older men, to be so front. He tells the older ladies, he tells the younger ladies, he tells the younger men, all to have this in their life. They should be so front. Now, this word is interpreted back into English, not back, into English. And the English translation of this one word has many different avenues. And why they chose the different words, I, I, I don't know. That's what they chose. They chose different words to describe within the, each of the age groups, but it's one Greek word. And here's basically what that one Greek word means. It means to be self-controlled. Now, here are some other translations of that very same word. And usually in English, we have to put more than one word together to describe as best we can, what a Greek word means. And here are some of the other words. And all of them are equal. All of them are great translations. So here are some of the other ways that word is translated and applies to each of the age groups, every single one of those four age groups. So it can be translated self-controlled. Or we could say be so from, which means to live wisely. We could also say to live pure. We could say to have safe thinking, or we could say to have sound thinking. We could say be self-restrained. We could say for you to have a quiet mind. To be so from would be to be 
wise. It would also mean to be wise-minded. But over and over and over again, perhaps the best explanation or translation of that word would be self-controlled. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying on the the path of grace, this grace way that he is saying you are traveling on if you're a follower of Jesus. He's saying you should be self-controlled. And now another way to describe self-control for a believer, for a Christ follower, would be to use this phrase. If you're self-controlled, you are spirit-controlled. I believe we find that throughout the scriptures. Self-controlled, we could say spirit-controlled. Because we know if you're a Christ follower, in and of yourself and myself, I am not self-controlled. I do blow it. I do make the wrong decisions. I say the wrong things. I think the wrong things. That's me. Self-control is distant. I know for me, I have to have God's spirit saying, no, 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 Harley. No, 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 no. Do this instead. Walk this way. Don't walk like that. No, 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 no. Walk like Jesus walked. And so, for us, we have been walking a certain way for so long, we're going to have to learn to walk again. I I was remembering yesterday with Vanessa that when I was three years old, I had a surgery. And this surgery, it was a big deal for me, three years old. I can remember these events leading up to that surgery. Even at the age of three, I can remember there was a lot of anxiety, anxiousness. I was scared leading up to it. But my, and I remember all of that. But I don't remember what happened after the surgery for those months. I don't remember. And my mom told me that I had to actually learn how to walk all over again. And I know that we are young adults and adults in this room this morning. And we have been walking through this life in a certain way. And Paul is saying, I'm going to need you to learn and be willing to learn to walk again, all over again. This time, we're going to learn to walk like Jesus walked. So how do we know if we're walking like Jesus walked? Because he's not here. We didn't get to walk with him like Peter did. How do we know? Well, here's how it happens today. We have to get into his word into God's word a little bit every single day. And when we do that, God's spirit, God's spirit will bring that back up in our lives. For instance, when we're considering walking in our old way, responding, talking, acting in our old way, when we're considering that, God's spirit will say, no, 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 no. Walk this way instead. Remember? Like Jesus walked. And sometimes, though, we respond so quickly, almost instinctively, and we blow it immediately, and God's Spirit will say, well, let's pause. You see? That didn't work. Walk this way. Like Jesus walked. But God's Spirit will take God's Word and bring that back up into our life And say, hey, walk this way. Walk like Jesus walked. 
And when we do that, as we listen to God's Spirit, do you know what is impacted in our life? It impacts what we do. It impacts what we decide. It actually impacts what we choose to say. Do you realize also it will impact your very facial expressions that you choose to have with people? Do you know this? It will even, and this is a big deal, it even will impact and change, begin to change over the course of time, the way we actually think and process things in our mind. You might be asking the question, okay, Harley, yes, I, I, I see some of that, but why, why should we take the time and the effort to learn to walk differently? And Paul answers that question for us. And I read through it just a moment ago. I kind of breezed right by it, and I want to highlight it right now. Paul uses one curious phrase to describe why we need to make this a priority. Here's what he's saying, and he says this, applying it to each group of people. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. If we choose not just to walk this path, but to actually walk the way Jesus walked, if we choose to allow God's spirit to produce that within us, then we will not bring shame on the word of God. Paul is saying, if you have chosen to walk in this new way, this new grace way, this new path of following Jesus, that makes you what would be called a Christ follower, a Christ follower. And that phrase, Christ follower, now describes you. It says you, if you're a Christ follower, you have an intimate relationship with God himself. You are a Christ follower. Not just a relationship, but now if you call yourself a Christ follower, you actually bear, you carry, you have a name tag that says that you bear the name of Jesus himself, of God himself. You carry with you, with every decision you make, everything you say, every facial expression, you carry the name of Jesus with you into all of that. Now, we don't choose to walk this way, to walk like Jesus walked, because he's given us a rule. And when there's a rule, we have to follow that rule. That's what we have to do. That's not why we walk that way, walk like Jesus walks. No. We do it because there's something inside of us, and I would say it's God's Spirit, that now compels us, if we're a follower of Jesus, it compels us, something deep inside of us, God's Spirit compels us to want to walk like Jesus walked, even though we do it so imperfectly, but to do it a little bit more every day, a little better every day. It's present in God's Spirit, knowing we allow in that moment the very nature of Jesus present in God's Spirit to emerge out of our life. And it begins deep inside. And it happens deep in our hearts and our minds. Our thoughts and our actions and our words, they all begin to change as God is creating this new way of walking through life. 
It has been said, as God is, we should be. And that's not saying that you should be a God. Nope, not at all. It's not saying you will even be like a God. Nope, not at all. It's saying as God is, that's how we should walk. That's how we should be compelled. And if we continue down this path of grace, this way of grace, and if we continue allowing God's spirit to do something deep inside of us, to change us slowly, a little bit at a time, that's growing in grace. And that's exactly where we end up. Walking like Jesus walked. So that translation says they will not bring shame on the word of God if we walk that way. There's another translation or two that use a phrase like this. It says we will not discredit the word of God with the way that we live. Now why, why should we walk this way? Walk like Jesus walked. This translation says, so that we won't discredit the word of God with the way that we live. You see, if we're following Jesus, the Bible says we are on a mission. We're on a mission to see the other people around us experience the same path of grace that the Holy Spirit has invited us on. And if we're going to be around other people, which we are, and we're going to claim that we are Christ followers, which if you are, you are, then it means we have to live with God's help blamelessly with self-control, with spirit control. Now, Paul was anxious about this. He was anxious for all the Christ followers to live above the finger-pointing crowd. The crowd maybe on the outside, not even on the inside. The crowd on the outside who are not yet Christ followers, who might look at your life and say, yeah, I'd be a Christ follower, but I don't want to be like you. You're mean. You're rude. You're judgmental. You would rather carry a sign and march and boycott than love anybody. I don't want to be like you. They might say, the only difference between you and me is that you have to wake up early and go to church on Sundays. Oh, and the other difference between you and me, you're mean. Paul said, we should live above that so people, I don't want to be like you and say, you're the reason I'm not going to be a follower of Jesus. I don't want to be like you. He's saying their lives are actually pushing people away from God's word and away from God. Whereas Paul is saying, I want you to walk this way, to walk like Jesus walked so that your walk actually makes people more hungry to explore God, more hungry to experience God's word. God never intended for us to be associated with rudeness and rebellion and meanness and questionable behaviors. No, 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 no. God's spirit would say, no, walk this way. As a Christ follower, don't discredit God's word by the way that we live. Paul is saying, walk this way. 
Walk like Jesus walked because lives around you are depending upon it. Moms, walk this way like Jesus walked because lives are depending on it. Dads, walk like Jesus walked because the lives around you are depending upon it. Men, And young men, walk this way because lives are depending upon it. Ladies and young ladies, walk this way like Jesus walked because lives around you are depending upon it. Today I'm giving you a very specific next step and I have it listed right now on our Facebook page, the church Facebook page. And I hope you will take that step. I hope you will take that step of growing in grace. As Paul is saying, walk this way. Walk like Jesus walked. And to do it, we must grow. And this whole growing in grace thing, remember as we talked about last week, what grace even means. It's the undeserved kindness of God. You see, we deserve God's anger. That's what we deserve. But if we will submit our lives to God and if we will turn them over to the care and the concern of Jesus who died for us, if we leave our way and decide to walk down this way of grace, then we don't get what we deserve as enemies of God. Instead, God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us a right standing with him. And our lives now as Christ followers should not make people want to doubt God's word. Should not make people repel from following Jesus. Instead, our lives should actually make people hungry and curious to explore God and his word so that they can experience what we have experienced the death of Jesus Christ and his amazing grace. Do you know in our Bible, after the word Jesus, in the Bible there is no sweeter word than the word grace. Grace is the full bank containing all of God's kindness. It is the soothing, healing lotion of God's forgiveness. Grace is free, but it is oh so costly. And it brings us eternal life, a connection eternally with God. It is what we crave when we are guilty. It is what we must have when we draw our last breath. And grace is our only ray of hope when we are facing the dark, dark storms of our future. And Paul says to us, hey, Walk this way. And as you walk down this path of grace, as you're following Jesus, walk this way. Walk like Jesus walked. And my prayer for you is this, as the band is making their way to the front. May you be, may you walk more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. May your life actually compel others to pursue God through his grace.
May our lives not repel people. May our lives not be the reason why someone chooses to not follow Christ. May we be more like Jesus today than yesterday. Let's pray. God, you told us that we must grow in grace. And we must grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we say this, all glory to you, Jesus, both now and forever. Amen.